Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Happiness is the joy that we feel when we're on the road striving after our potential. Sean Enker. Hello and welcome to Just Make The Thing. I'm your host, Claire Tonti, and this show is all about how to start a thing and just keep on making it. This week, I'm interviewing the final member of our wonderful podcast, Do Go On. Matt Stewart's latest stand-up comedy show, Dry Ginger Mail, sums him up pretty perfectly. Matt is a stand-up comic with a great red beard, a podcaster, a footy fanatic, and is part of the team behind Stupid Old Studios, which is a crazy warehouse in the depths of the hipster-centric suburb Brunswick in Melbourne. I ventured out from the bush to go visit him at the studio where the record do go on, and it was awesome. I always love a visit to Stupid Old Studios because you just never know what you're going to get. It's a rabbit warren of comedians and writers and creatives recording podcasts, writing in offices, working in think tanks, filming sketches and editing shows. They produce a lot of amazing comedy, including Auntie Donna's show, and we have lots of our podcasters who work out of that studio. If you go to Stupid Old, you'll often stumble on someone working for the ABC or wearing a ridiculous costume. But anyway, back to Matt himself. He's a guy that is the ultimate team player. He usually talks in jokes and dry sarcasm, which I think is hilarious. But today he was surprisingly heartfelt and I found what he had to say not only about making comedy a career, but life in general so fascinating. Nat always comes across as unflappable and someone who you'd want around in a crisis to crack a joke, give you a wry smile and then just get on with the task at hand. He is one lovely dude, this dude. I don't know if I've said dude before, but there you go. Okay, here he is, the hilarious dry ginger male himself, Matt Stewart. Let's like start and I'll ask you some questions. And my first question for you, Matt Stewart, is why did you start selling air conditioning? Why did I start selling <laughs> air conditioning? Yeah, and how long ago were you doing that particular job? Uh, I think I finished it a bit over three years ago. I I started selling air conditioning because I um I was just back from an overseas trip. I went to Europe for a few months with some friends, and to leave, I quit my supermarket job, <laughs> which I was doing probably too far into my twenties. And yeah, so when I got back, I didn't I needed some money. I'd borrowed money in the end. I extended my trip by a month, uh. um, which I couldn't afford to go in the first place. But I'm a <laughs> I've always had a real uh, yes man attitude to life, uh, <laughs> especially back then when I didn't have any responsibilities. So I just, um, I needed a job. And my cousin uh, was working for this air conditioning company and he said that there might be a job going there. So I went and talked to them. Didn't know anything about air conditioning at all. <laughs> it was funny, like they were asking me real basic questions like, do you know what the difference between evaporative cooling and, and refrigerated cooling is? And I'm like, I've heard of, I think I've heard of those words. I think I've heard those words before. And at the same time, my sister was working at a casino in Queensland and she said, oh, you, your lifestyle will really suit the croupier lifestyle. 
Like, you can take that anywhere. You could go work on the cruise ships, the casino <laughs> cruise ships. I'm like, all right, I'll go for, I'll apply at Crown. So I, I was, a, I applied for a few different jobs. And on the same day, I went through Crown College. I have like, yeah. what? Hold on. You There's went through Crown Casino College. Well, I don't know. I can't remember what they call it, but it's basically what it was. There was this yeah. big day where you went in. And I, I think I heard it was like their their training facility is the se- second biggest casino floor in the Southern Hemisphere or something, and it's not even a working. I think that's true, or at least it used to be. So yeah, I went through that, and I, on the same day, I got both jobs. But I got the. I was sitting with the air conditioning boss. In his car when I got the call from Crown, so I was like, if it, if I got the other, if I got the calls in the opposite order, yeah, I would have ended up working at a casino. <laughs> Just as well, yeah, it feels like a pretty um pretty loose way to live your life. Just let, leaving it up to chance like that, like not even not even going for jobs in the same industry. One's a sales job and one was a you know like a like a gambling stealing people's money. <laughs> Yeah, that's true, I guess. I mean, both are kind of um, taking people's money from them. They are. So I guess they're in the same genre. Providing a service. Providing a service is a more positive spin. Yeah, exactly. One, you're keeping people cold. Yes. And the other one, you're taking their money. And, you know, their house, which leaves them out in the cold. (laughs) There you go. So very similar. That's why you're the comedian. Yeah. Yeah, totally similar. I could see that. So did you enjoy being a salesman? Sort of. I hated it. I was really. I found it really scary at first. I remember sit because you, they'd make the appointments. People would call up and say, "I want an air conditioner," and then you'd go to their house and and be the expert. So which got easier as I learnt more about it. But yeah. at the start, <laughs> saying I was an expert when I'd only just recently found out what air conditioning meant, <laughs> I don't think I was very convincing early. But I remember sitting in my car just going, oh, "Shit." <laughs> Heart pounding, <laughs> going in there, going, oh no, they're going to see right through me. <laughs> I don't know any answers. Please don't ask me any questions. <laughs> Did you literally go, yep, that's an air conditioner? Yep, yeah, I reckon we could uh, sort that out for you, no doubt about that. We can uh, make your house cold. Yeah. Don't worry, I got this. But I just wanted, I, I think the first day especially, I just wanted to get out. Like I just wanted to get out before they found me out as a fraud. <laughs> Oh, so you had to just run in and run out. Yeah, but I mean, it was there was pl- plenty of safety nets around. I could always, you know, take everything through the boss. Yeah. He wouldn't let me, you know, put in the wrong thing or, you know. You've, yeah. I haven't thought about that job in a while. But I do, it's funny, I do think about it. I haven't thought about those early days. But I think about it all the time. I use it as an example too often. I'm like, oh, that's like back in my air conditioning days. <laughs> There'd be, yeah. you know, the, I always seem to... It must be tedious for Evan, who I run Stupid Old Studios with, because I reckon once a week I'll be like, oh, I've got a, yeah, I reckon we went through a similar thing back to the <laughs> air conditioning. That's the lesson I learned. Back in the day. Air conditioning wisdom. Oh, just sp- spilling it everywhere. Yeah. All the time. What are some things that that job taught you? Because I want to ask you a bit more about how you got into comedy, but before that, what are some things that it taught you now that you run your own thing? I think it's, yeah, they're like different business lessons. I think running businesses, there's a lot of things that overlap across different businesses, dealing with clients or um, each other. You know, there's just little things you just just learn. And I I worked, the guy who was my boss back then, Scott, was a, I think he's, he's a real wise man. 
So uh, there's probably more him I learnt from rather than air conditioning in itself. <laughs> Not the machines didn't teach you anything. No, the machines didn't really teach me anything. Yeah, although I find them fascinating. But I also, you know, I don't. We hardly have any air conditioning here. I don't really. I, ideally, you don't. You don't have air conditioning because it uses so much power, and we should just be able to deal with it. But so I mean, all these the, having that as a philosophy didn't help me because I worked on commission. Oh. <laughs> just got to people. But I'm like, like, honestly, do you really need? On principle, it's bad for the environment. I'm like, if you definitely need it, then let's figure this out. But do you really need it? Do you? Why don't you just use a handheld fan? <laughs> just, just just lay her down. <laughs> yeah. Singlet shorts, you'll be fine. Couple of cool bevies. Crack a window. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Well, I'm glad you're in comedy now and not in air conditioning sales. What what made you um I know you went and did the Royal Comedy Festival, but what made you go, okay, comedy, this is a thing. I'm gonna do it. Um I don't know, it's something I, lo- I love my whole life, but I to to actually have any confidence to do it took me a very long time. I um I never thought I was worthy or like had the skills or whatever. Cuz you know, you know, everyone's funny pretty much, I think. Most most people are funny. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm funny. Yeah, you're so, funny. I think yeah. most people are funny. Yeah. And I just thought I was just, you know, normal person funny, and then, you know, different people suggested I should do stand up. I'm like, honestly, it's a different a different breed of human who can do it. It's not, I'm just a normal person. They're not normal. <laughs> Stand-up comedians are like, they're born different. They're geniuses and it's a dip, It's. But I didn't realize that anyone really can do it. Maybe not everyone would be the best or the worst. I mean, I'm not the best. But, you know, you you do it if, not, if you enjoy it. Mm. Man, I'm not making a whole lot of sense here. But No, you are. You totally are because that's how I think about comedians. Yeah, so like a different I, species. yeah, I just grew up watching them on TV and stuff. Just like what a what a magical human they are. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, but I started working more with um, people who were um, performing stand up, and they were very encouraging. People who at Strip, who ended up making Stupid Studios with me, like Alistair Trombley Birchall and Andy Matthews, who do Two in the Think mm-hmm. Tank. They were both always very um, encouraging, especially Al. Um, I don't like. I almost definitely would never have done it if it wasn't for Alistair and his uh, support. Oh, how did you meet those guys? Uh, all five of us from Stupid Old met at uh, Sin, which is a is the Student Youth Network in Melbourne. Um, so we all just met there volunteering. We all worked on they they did a um, breakfast TV show, which was an hour of live. Breakfast TV, kind of like a Today Show or a Sunrise or something, only for mm. for younger people and you know on no budget. <laughs> um, and so I hosted that with Alistair. We just got paired up. We both separately auditioned for it and got paired up together. And I, I don't think I maybe hadn't even met him before then. Uh, and Evan, who also was at Stupid Old Stupid Old Studio, is the place that we're here now. It's also a production company or whatever for people who don't. Yeah. For the majority of people listening who don't know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> um, and then the following season, Beck and Andy were the co-hosts. So the five of us after that decided for some reason we wanted to get a studio, a warehouse studio. I can't remember exactly. I think it was Evan and Andy maybe driving that. 
And I'm like, oh, I want to be involved in this. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, that's that's how the studio started. Was that the question? It was part of the question, yeah. It was also because it's a big jump from, like, travelling and then being an air conditioning salesman to going in to do sin. Did you, like, what made you choose sin in the I first think place? Sin, I saw, I saw, I flicked, just flicked through to them on, um, on the TV on Channel 31, like, years before. And I'm like, oh, I really should do that. I should um, get involved in that. It's so fun. I just found this show so funny. It was just, it was really basic, the one I saw, uh, where it was just like one locked off camera on a guy on a green screen, just being very funny, talk, and then throwing it video clips, music mm-hmm. video clips. Um, and then I got onto their website. I entered some competition. I, ended up, I won tickets to Homebake, the Sydney Music Festival through Sin. Ah. So I just I started really enjoying Sin, um, just listening and, and watching. And then I think it was it was coming up to the time where I was almost because it, it's a youth only station. If you want to volunteer, you've got to be under twenty six. Mm. So I was pushing up towards twenty six. I'm like, oh shit, I better. <laughs> it's now or never. So yeah. if I didn't have that time crunch, I maybe you know I would have kept yeah. delaying it. I'm very positive someone gives me an opportunity, but if it's me who has to drive it, <laughs> sometimes I drag my feet a bit. Unless there's like a deadline or yeah. Then it's like, all right, fuck, I better Yeah, get this jump in. in. Yeah, yeah, get the adrenaline going. Yeah. And so then after you did scene and you met Al and Andy and Evan. When and did, Beck. And Beck. Sorry, and Beck too. When did you do your first stand-up gig? Uh, that was until 2013, so it was a couple of years later. I remember, Al, I don't know, Al just found me funny for some reason, I think. Because you're funny, mate. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I wrote a few different times he'd be like, just. Like there was, we were launching, we were launching the stupid old channel, a YouTube channel, and at that stage I hadn't done any comedy. He's like, just go up and and talk. You just just go talk, be Matt. I'm like, well, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so I went up and talked for a bit, and he's like, that was great. Like I I don't understand. I didn't really understand <laughs> what he was talking about. I think he must maybe saw himself and me only a few years earlier. Took him a while to get going and. Um, so I think he wanted to pass on his lessons to me. Like, and he, one of the things he did that he, I think, helped him a lot was he he committed to doing fifty gigs in a year. And wow. he's like, I won't decide whether I like this or not until after those fifty gigs. So he was trying to encourage me to do that. And he goes, write up, write up uh, all the ideas you've got, and we'll go through them. I did that, and then he. He told me the ones that he thought worked the most, and then I got that down to five minutes. And I had this five minutes written out, and I reckon it was about three years after that that I actually um, performed it. And even then, because our friend um, Lisa Dibb was running this room called Pugs in Space at an old Irish pub in Melbourne CBD, and she, I kept saying to her, I'll, when I'm ready, I'm not quite ready, when I'm ready, I'll book in a spot. And then she'd message me every now and then. And then eventually she just messaged me and said, you're booked in next month. Ooh. So be ready. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> so I could have procrastinated forever if it wasn't for people like that just helping push me a bit. And then it ended up, uh, so that, that gig was so much fun. I think the first three or four five-minute spots I ever did were in that room. I didn't know how to get, go outside of there. but um, And then I signed up for Raw. Raw was like, very early on, the Raw... Comedy Festival, yeah. What's the Raw Comedy Competition oh. at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival? Accurate. Or Melbourne... Yeah, it's very... They're finicky about that. 
Yes. I remember people getting in trouble for calling it Triple J's Raw Comedy because, anyway, oh. it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't really matter. But what it, I guess what it is, it's a chance for brand new comedians. Yeah, or the idea is to, to enter, you've got to um, have not made $500 out of comedy. Okay. So you can't have, you know, started to... To grow a career. Yes. And yeah. I think that's it. And you can only enter three years. In a uh, row. Uh, at all, yeah. So oh. you get three goes at it. Yeah, so I entered that. I can't I can't even remember why, but I guess it was just a chance to do another. It was an, an easy I could I could get this gig from a website without having to talk to anyone. Yeah. Which I found all that very intimidating. Yeah. Going to rooms and talking to people, which is one of the big parts of, of starting it out is you yeah. got to just go and meet people and which I'm not normally shy, but I, for some reason I found because I found comedians to be so intimidating as as a people, I guess. I don't find people hard to talk to, but <laughs> Comedians in this world, I didn't understand. Yeah, why? I don't. I don't know. It just felt. I don't know. I was just intimidated by it all. What, now that I'm sort of around it more, I, I realise that they're the least intimidating people, <laughs> for the most part. They're all very friendly people around Melbourne comedy, but especially people in those positions mm. who are running open mic rooms. They're all like they're in it. They're not in it for the money. They're in it because they love it and they want to help people get started. Yeah. Do you think it's because you admire what they do as well? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it's like they were they were higher beings. Like rock stars yeah. up there. I, I, think, I think often people see comedians like that because it, ta- it looks like it takes so much courage just to even be up on the stage. Right. Did you have fear? Like what was yeah. that like in those early days gigging? Did you have a lot of fear before you did it? Yeah, yeah, it ruined my whole week. I remember the first gig when I was the week leading up to it. I I did not, I did not feel relaxed at any point. I felt stressed out and anxious. Well, more probably more anxious about it nonstop. Whenever I thought about it, I felt sick in my stomach. Wow. So I was I was I was obviously still working for, in the air conditioning world. So I was just driving around a lot, and I could it meant I could just run through my routines. Over and over and over again, which was very handy. And also, yeah. like, I'd pick up, I'd sort of improve them as I went, yeah. just in the car. But um, that, that's probably helped ease the anxiety a bit, just being overprepared. Okay, yeah. So how do you go about writing your stand-up now? Do you, do you write it all in one go? Do you think about it a lot first? It's changed a bit. I'm just about to start that process again because the festival season's over. And this is the hardest part, I think, is just starting... And and that's when you get the real anxiety back. I don't mind doing your show to your crowd who's coming to see you, and it's an hour on stage. is so much easier to me than going to try out five new minutes at an open mic. Even oh. it, it, I don't know why. I guess it makes sense. But yeah, I find that that's the part where anxiety really kicks in again because yeah. you just don't know. You never know until you say it to people whether it's funny or not. Is that how you work out what you're going to say in your comedy? That you kind of try it out, try each bit out. Yeah, you just got to try it out through the year. It's sort of the way a bit for me evolves is when it starts, I'm very afraid of it. <laughs> then it, the the real sweet spot is when you got a little bit of confidence, but it's still really new. That's the best that period, mm. and then you just get confident in it, and it feels good, and you know it. But you don't. It doesn't. There's no buzz in it because you're just like. 
I'm pretty sure this will work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's still fun. Obviously, that's more fun than the first part. But that bit where it's like exciting and it's starting to work, and you're you're adding new bits and pieces as you go. That's that's the best. Yeah. After last year, I spent a lot of time um, with the show just finished and doing that material more. I'm gonna try and jump in a bit quicker to newer stuff, but nothing's really coming at the moment. It's funny when you can you can talk about anything at all that it's hard to think of anything at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like you need parameters and structure and deadlines yeah. to force you to do something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember I was having a conversation with Al on the phone and he said that writing anything is a lot like putting out all this stuff that you hate and then just whittling it down to the one bit that you yeah. think is okay yeah, <laughs> and then finding the next little bit that's okay. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I think that makes sense, yeah. You sort of come up with a little bit of ideas as you go. Well, I say you, meaning me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. Sure, sure there are people out there who just uh, come up with nothing but gold. Yeah, completely. Oh, he's coughing. Excuse oh, me. Poor guy. Sorry about that. Oh, no, that's it. We're, we're finished. Surely Raw can just chop that out. Surely. Surely you can. He's, he's swift. How good is that? that you've, got, you've just got someone who does your editing. Oh, it's the freaking best thing in the world. It's so amazing. And I'm the worst because I'm the same as you. I need a deadline. And so even though it's a completely false deadline and he just edit it whenever, I'm always like, I'm so sorry. This is really late. And <laughs> yep. I get it to him just at the last minute. But having someone you know is waiting for it, yes, is he's so the deadline. Good. Yeah, that is handy. Yeah, well, I think that's the same on our podcast. One, yeah, having to edit and stuff is one of the shittest parts of it. So you've done well there. But I, I think just having the other because I do it with two other people, mm. we're all keep it, each other accountable. Yeah, I like, I quite like a team game like that. Whereas stand up is not like that necessarily. Yeah. I think that's why it's it's cool to um give yourself a bit of a team with stand up. Just you know, you have a bit work with a director or um and a producer, then you've got other people helping you stay accountable. Or even friends who are also going through the same things. Do you do you bounce ideas off all the guys here in Stupid Old? Yeah, I definitely they um I think I mean any any night you go to an open mic or or just an, a weekly night just to run through your material. There'll be friends there who can, if you want, will um, uh, give Tell you feedback. You. How do you cope with that? I love it. I I think because I just want to be better, so I'll um, I'll always be open to hearing feedback. Yeah, you don't find it hard. I think at any point. not necessarily. I mean, you don't always agree with what people say, but I think it's 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 just good to get a different perspective. Obviously, people can tell you in different ways. If they're tell, talking to you in a respectful sort of way, you know, they're not just going, that sh- that shit, yeah. you, you're a loser, <laughs> kill yourself. Like, obviously, Whoa, I wouldn't take that super doing? well. He's like, all right. Yeah, settle down. I just wanted to know if you thought the punchline hit, yeah. but sure. <laughs> no worries. That was the wording. All right. No, yeah. but, yeah, I think I, I love that, and I think that that's the only way – Bits get better. I mean, obviously, the best feedback is whether a crowd laughs or not. Yeah, how do you cope when they don't laugh? Well, not that that would have happened to you. It's never happened to me. Never happened. Never happened. I shouldn't even ask. Um, Well, you know, it depends. I think it it just it depends because sometimes if you if it's like a bit that you're really confident in, you has worked a million times before, and it doesn't get a laugh one night, you're like, I want either I did something different or 
you know, it didn't work for some reason. Like, but if it's something that's brand new, you're like, well, that, maybe that's not funny. Yeah, I think you got to try it out a few times because different rooms can affect things differently. Or you could just say one word differently and that changes the whole, you know, you got to, if you don't give the audience all the information that they need to make sense of it. Yeah. So you might accidentally leave out half a line or something and it, and it's like, well, I don't follow what you're talking about, so I can't laugh. Yeah. So it just depends. But if if they don't laugh, it can be it can be pretty brutal, but I mean that's it's all part of it. If there are gonna be nights that are tougher than others, and I hate myself afterwards, but you get over it. If I've driven there I'll yell in the car. Really? Yeah, sometimes. Fuck <laughs> Oh god. I'll just because normally there's a decision you made there that could have could have fixed it. Mm. And and I'll Often I'll think of that in the car. It's like, that's not helpful. Or I'll just realize I made a, I misread the room, you know. You you open with, you fuck with something that you shouldn't have or don't or address something you shouldn't or don't address something. Mm. And then you realize it later because it didn't work. You go, I was the, I chose the wrong thing there. Yeah. And that's frustrating, but it's also, you know, you'll learn for next time, hopefully. Yeah, what keeps you? What keeps you going back each time, regardless of how bad or great the gig goes? I think it. I mean, it feels good. Something I, I think it's maybe the thing I enjoy doing most. Oh wow! So I guess that's why. I mean, it's you know the the good times outweigh the bad times by a, a long, like a big percentage. Yeah, I think I'd find it, and I know some people go through it, especially early days. Find it people who end up being great. You hear them talking about their early days where they just bomb for years. Like, I don't know how people do that. Mm. I don't think I would have got through a few early years of bombing nonstop. I had like my first gig was went really well. Second one was a bit tougher, and but you know it, it, it was I had a pretty blessed sort of start in good good uh, friendly crowds yeah. who eased me in. I think because you can do rooms that are just hard well. no matter what, but. And if you're starting in just those, I was lucky that I started out in pretty good rooms as it was, just because I knew people mm. who helped me out in that way, which uh, helped with confidence and stuff. And then when I went one raw, I was like, and it was just like confidence builders, mm. just for things that go, oh, maybe I'm all right. Yeah, because you know you don't really believe it, but maybe. Maybe. Why do you love it the most? Do you think? What is it about? I don't know. I think it's just the having full control. You can say anything, and you, and it's all immediate response. Like other things, I do like the um, like if we film sketches with stupid old or something. That I love that as well. And I love working with better writers than me, like Al Andy and Beck. You know, it's like oh, this is cool to work with great people, and and I like that probably in a similar way, but just on a different level. But you know, it's a long process. You make each other laugh as you go, but. It, you don't get the feedback for can be quite a while until it goes out, and then you mm. you can't you can't see people laughing. <laughs> no, it's on stage you can feel it. It's a buzz. The podcast is another thing that I I love doing it again. It's like that team thing, mm. and now we've started to do live ones, and we'd like those are just the nicest crowds you'll yeah. ever perform in front of, and you're just sitting there talking. So it's that's pretty lovely. Yeah. I mean, I like it all. I'm lucky to do all the things I get to do, yeah. I think. 
just from like little situations just rolled on together. So many different little bits of luck that lead you forward. Yeah. Is it luck or is it also being open to the opportunities that kind of sneak across your path? I think it's, yeah, well, it's definitely both. You've got to, if you don't put yourself out there, you don't get, you don't get lucky, but you also can put yourself out there and not, yeah. not have luck. Yeah. I mean, there's probably an alternative timeline where I got all these crazy lucky breaks that meant I was president of America now, but <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not the luckiest person in the world, but you put yourself out there and things can roll along. I think normally things just one thing leads to another as well. Mm. If you're you put yourself in a situation and then, so I I was at Sin that led to this company basically, or at least my yeah. involvement in it. It led to help led with the stand up and stuff. Mm. Um, all these different things wouldn't have happened if I didn't just make that phone call and go, "Oh, when's the next uh, info session at Sin?" God, isn't that incredible? Yeah. Do you think how, and you can't see into the future, so there's no way that you could know that that's what would happen. Exactly. Yeah. I remember it vividly. I was standing there in my um, air conditioning hoodie <laughs> in, in a share house out in East Bentley. Yeah, it's a funny, funny thing. Just that moment and it just rolls on. If I just went, nah, too hard. Yeah. Which I had been saying for too long, you know, I'll do it tomorrow or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And yes, it was like, I was basically like, oh, I'd better call up and find out if I'm not too old. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Already. I wasn't sure if it was 26 or 24 or whatever. And, then, and you went. You went too old. I wasn't too old. I wasn't too old. Otherwise, you know, I might still be... But th- there's different things. Sometimes, like... Uh, when I'm going to an uh, open mic or some sort of a gig, you're going off to a gig for not a lot of money somewhere. Like, yeah. like, if I just, I'd earn more money if I just stayed doing a normal job and I would be on the couch now watching a movie or whatever. That would yeah. be nice. <laughs> I think that sometimes and then I remember that um, I did used to do that and I felt unfulfilled and yeah. that's why I'm not doing that anymore. So Yeah. Do you feel fulfilled now? Uh yeah, but I mean not not entirely. I feel like um I still want to be better at everything. Mm, yeah, but isn't that life, right? Yeah, I guess so. That you have to keep pushing. I think even Will Anderson was saying that that he's there's just always something else, especially when you're working in creative stuff. You yeah. always want there to be more. You want to better yourself. You want to be pushing the envelope, I guess, or yeah, you just yeah. sort of get stuck where you are. Yeah, I think. I also think there's, it's got to be something like if you ever, I reckon that's why super rich and young um, celebrity type people who reach the top real young hit trouble because it's like, well, what do you, where do you go from from here? Yeah. I think it's it's important to have what keeps you going to have something to strive for. Mm. If you feel content, I mean, that must be nice though. <laughs> if you're yeah. genuinely content, you're like, oh, I, I'm just happy with this. That's yeah. got to be good. But yeah. um, I think you've got to try and appreciate what you have while still 
Alistair told me the secret to happiness a while ago, which I don't. I think he heard from someone else. Was uh, doing something that makes you happy while looking forward to something that makes you happy. Yes. Ah, oh, he's a wise guy. Yeah, I think that's pretty true. So true. I heard too that it was about li- um, living towards your potential. So, like when you're in the mode where you're working towards where you want to go and and being your best self or whatever it is that sounds a bit opery but do you know what i mean that kind of idea so it's not necessarily the getting there but the idea that you're in a position where you're using all your talents and pushing yourself and moving forward and extending yourself yep and that kind of is a good feeling yeah i think so making progress yeah exactly sort of inch by inch yeah you look back at the year before and go i've it didn't feel like it, but I've done a lot of work it, towards, you know, things I want to do. Yeah. Because yeah. it never really feels like it until you look back, I don't think. Yeah, it's so true. So just how I feel like with Planet Broadcasting, I sort of think, oh, it's not going where it should be or it's not moving fast enough. But then you look back and you think, oh, actually, it's, you know, it's coming along. It's um, such yeah. a good place. What a positive thing you've done. Thanks, mate. So, uh, yeah, we feel very lucky to be involved um, oh. with Do Go On. Well, we feel lucky to have you guys as a part of it, actually. Yeah. I have to tell you, and James's brother will be real embarrassed to say this, so he's like a massive fan of Do Go On oh, that's nice. and all of you guys because uh, it's such a fun show. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's it's something I look forward to. I think that's one big difference between the podcast and like stand-up is there's no anxiety leading up to it. I always feel excited by it. Well, there's a funny difference between stand-up where there are times, especially trying out new material, where it's like I feel sick in my stomach. I never – it's always um, positive feelings that do go on. The live shows are the same. It's funny, like normally I'd have some – like I'd, my heart would be really pounding before going out on stage, but yeah. the live shows that do go on, I just very feel so chilled out. Just you know it's going to be great. Yeah, it's like a big hug. You just feel like everyone is there wanting to give you a hug and a high five. Yeah, and... just I think yeah. I think that's the kind of the people who listen to our show just seem to be the nicest people mm. as a general rule. Yeah, that's probably the same across the network basically, isn't it? Yeah, I reckon. I think so, definitely. We feel very lucky. We talk about that a bit, how um, lucky we are to have such rad listeners. Yeah, they're pretty good ones, those ones. Yeah. so lovely. We felt that after the Weekly Planet live show. I wanted to ask you a little bit about you as a kid too. Were you a, the funny one in your family? Is your family funny? Where do you reckon you get your Matt Stewart funniness from? Um, I think my family is definitely funny. I come from a big family, like extended family is very big. My dad was one of 13 kids. Wow. And I think there's a lot of very varied um, personalities, but a lot of funny people amongst it. I think in my immediate family, everyone's funny in their own way. I, I reckon I remember one time, we used to laugh a lot at the kitchen table and stuff, but also fight and, you know, classic family stuff. Mm. I was one of, of four, still am actually, oh. to this very day. And <laughs> True story. Yeah. My grand, my mum's dad was a very funny man, real cornball sort of, but just very... He'd, draw, he'd say really corny things, but in a real straight sort of face. He'd quote Shakespeare and stuff. Like, weird. Like, thinking back, it's sort of weird things, but he always made me laugh. 
quoting sonnets and stuff. I had no idea what he was talking about. It just seemed funny. Yeah. It's like, why is he talking like that? What a character. Um, yeah. yeah, I think my mum got that and she sort of passed it down. My dad's, yeah, I think everyone's sort of funny. I do remember, I do remember trying to make them laugh at the dinner table. I remember when I started being a smart ass and that get like that making people laugh. And I felt like that was a habit I got into. So I, and I'm still now, I find it hard to talk sincerely too much, even though we've been doing that basically this whole show, yeah. which is weird. It but, is um, weird. I'm impressed. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I think it's something about you. You're just, you're a real nice, pure person. How <laughs> <laughs> can I get that in writing? I am. Um, whereas, uh, yeah, normally I just, I find it hard to be serious too much. Mm. I think it's a bit of a bad habit. I definitely know his Jess on uh, do go on occasionally, answer everything like a smart ass. Yeah. Um, well, but I'm, I've been trying to it's something I've been trying to do less of over the last years. Just trying to um, be a bit more sincere occasionally. A bit more straight. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. it's just a, just it's a bad habit, I think. Well, why do you think you do it? I don't know. I think it just rolled on like it. It just made people laugh when I was a kid, and then it just became a habit. Mm. But now, you know, you just got to pick your time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes people want an answer. Yeah, yeah exactly. So why are you having to subvert, like, the question in this very simple, do you want a coffee or not? Yeah. yeah. Why are you going down this weird tangent? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I shouldn't. <laughs> I'll try and be better. But sometimes it's also great, though. Because sometimes people are too sincere all the time and get bogged down in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, someone. I, hopefully, I can. Yeah, I can strip it back and then and figure out when to when to be sincere and when when to be a dickhead. Yeah, that's that's there you go. That's something to strive for. Yeah, on the podcast, it's it's pretty much all been a dickhead. Yeah, but a good one. A good dickhead. That's a all I want to be. Yeah. Good Put quality. that on my grave. Yeah. Good quality dickhead. Yeah. Rest exactly. in peace. Yeah, exactly. I think that um, you need people to bring that sense of joy and laughter about stuff or absurdity about stuff because otherwise sometimes it can all just get a little bit too boring. You know? Yeah. I, I just think that there's got to be a balance. Yeah. Because... You know, if if nothing's serious, then what's the point of anything? But if everything's serious, then it's like, we're not here that long, let's have fun. Yeah, we're really not, right? Mm. Yeah. Oh, God, this is a dep- depressing question. Do you ever think about the fact that we're all going to die one day? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think about that. Yeah. think about that probably semi-regularly. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think... Um, uh, in my twenties, I didn't, and then in the last couple of years, in my thirties, I've started to <laughs> started to realize it. I think you, you know, I think that's probably how it happens. You live, you live like you're gonna live forever in your twenties, mm. and then it all kicks in. Uh, that you know, mortality and stuff. I think it sounds like that's not uncommon for people to, you know, feel that way. Mm. So it's. It's it's something I think it you know obviously it sucks. I'm I'm up with you know Elon Musk type people who just want to figure out immortality. I'm like yeah I'm I will live forever. I like the people who are like nah that that takes away any value of life. 
you'll never do anything. If you don't think yeah. you'll ever die, you'll never do anything. But that's some of the some of the great memories of my you know, my uni days would just be like watching the OC until the sun <laughs> came up or something. It's like what a waste of time. But it didn't feel like it because I thought I was going to live forever. Yeah. I had so much time to do whatever. Yeah. I used to do that with Scrubs. That was great. Scrubs. I, to me, it, I'm one of those people that thinks that because everything has an expiration date, it kind of gives it a sense of like, this cake is so delicious or like this moment is really awesome because it's not going to be here forever. I think that's great. I think that's, I think that's the way I should think. So how would do you want to live forever? Do you want to have your brain in a computer? No, I just want I just want to be this forever. So be, how old are you now? 34. 34. So you want to be 34? Well, look, I'd even dial that back to uh, 29. Oh, okay. That That's an exact number there. Well, look, I'm about to pick one. <laughs> I started with 20 and I had to... 29 was a good year. Mm, what did you like about being 29? That's when I first uh, did stand-up. I don't know, just a lot of big things happened that year. Mm. I think it just felt like a, a transitional time and, you know, exciting things started happening. It was probably because I was starting to realise that life doesn't go on forever, that I had to start getting things done. I couldn't just, yeah. you know, you, you can't just keep going, I, I will do this. It's like the ultimate deadline for you. Yeah, that's right. Clock's ticking, mate. Yeah, I actually reckon it'd be disastrous for you to live forever. You'd literally never do anything. I would I would not do anything. But I think, I'm, yeah, no, it's true. I, it probably really is not, not ideal for me. No, you need you need some kind of urgency yeah. to, to get, get the stuff done. That's true. Mm. What advice do you have for people who might be like you working in air conditioning or at supermarket or where I used to work at a cinema and are a bit stuck, like think that they've got more in them but haven't found their thing yet. Um, so they don't even they don't even have an inkling. That's where it gets hard, I guess. Uh, you I'm just at, yeah. you just got to try stuff, I suppose. Put yourself out there if you've not if you feel unfulfilled because I imagine working at a cinema could be sick. Yeah, it was pretty awesome, actually. Uh, if you if you could uh, have a happy life doing that, then go for it. But if you feel like you're missing out on something, then I guess you got to figure out what it is. Yeah. And then when you do, you just got to go for it. And um, remember, you're gonna die. <laughs> so don't. So don't dilly dally. Don't uh, muck around. Yeah, no mucking about, mate. No, get in there, have a go, <laughs> give it a good old crack. Have a bloody crack. Yeah. That's all. That's it. I think that was let's just get started. And um ideally, depending on what it is, ideally working with people who um who have similar interests and um I think that that's the best way to keep moving keep motivated, keep moving forward is working with others. Unless you're you know, what your your big goal is like a solo trip around the world, then obviously <laughs> that makes it harder. But maybe you could still talk to people on walkie talkie. How's yeah. your solo trip around the world going? <laughs> Mine's going pretty good. Sounds like a sounds like good advice. Yeah, solid. Why wouldn't they just use their iPhones? iPhones out yeah. at sea. Come on, Claire. <laughs> oh yeah, true. Which carrier you with out in the Indian Ocean? <laughs> Telstra's got pretty good service. It's got pretty good service. Ninety nine percent of Australia is covered. 
It is. But I don't think that's the population. I don't know if it gets in, in the... Into the ocean. Into the ocean. There's no, stuff. like, whales using iPhones. I think they're talking about populated areas. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, well, now that we've got to the bottom of that conundrum, <laughs> that you need walkie-talkies while you're solo traveling. Well, I don't, walkie-talk is probably... What, are they, what do they call them? UB40s? No, that's a... I don't know what that is. That's what's a that's a white uh, reggae band from the eighties and nineties. <laughs> but uh, the um oh, I, there's one last thing before we finish. I wanted to ask, how are we going for time? Because I can't see the screen. Oh, cool. Okay, the time is time. You passionately love St Kilda. I do football club. Yes, not the suburb. Not the. Sub- <laughs> I could take or leave the suburb to be honest. You just hang around St Kilda all the time, just like putting bows on things and giving like. The beach. Uh-huh. Does sound like St Kilda would have been great before our time. Yeah. People I, who are yeah. 10, 15 years older than us love yeah. the, like nostalgia about oh, St Kilda, Kilda, but um, I don't think it was ever that in my life, no, whatever it was. It's always just like an old theme park and slightly scary and far away. Yeah, and just sort of like um, kind of crappy bars. and But I think yeah. not, you know, like. Over over polished bars, yeah, yeah, Real, yeah, exactly. everything's slick. Well, yeah. I think maybe it's the inner north in Melbourne is what maybe what St Kilda was. I get that feeling, I do. So, not the place. Why do you love footy so much? I don't know, that's a I never really thought about it. I think it's hard to um justify it logically. Why do why is like this Saturday just gone? Why was my Saturday night ruined? By twenty two guys I've never met before. In little shorts. It, just, it makes an no egg shaped ball. It makes no sense. But I was, I think it's, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it's just something that's been with me since I was a kid. Um, so maybe that's why I was just in one of those interests that um, I had since I was a kid. It's also it's a really good, especially in Melbourne. It's a really always been a nice thing to connect people. Mm. You know, it's a it's just a common interest that you can passively enjoy. You, I mean, you're just watching a thing. Yeah, I I'm not really sure. There is a there's when the Saints win a big game, it, it is it's illogical how good it makes me feel. And yeah. there's no reason that I should feel any involvement in that or feel good about it. E- equally, why I should not ever feel bad. About the most, I don't know, but it's some of my, you know, my close friends also f- love footy. Mm. Feel my best mates are Saints supporters, so you go along, and I, I can't, I couldn't, I could never explain to you why. I, like there'd be smart sports journalists out there who could explain it to me. I go, yeah, what they said, but I, I, I don't know. Do you have a guess? Yeah, I'll have a guess. Do you reckon it's because you love being a part of a team? Oh, yeah, I do. I definitely love te- yeah. I love team stuff. And shared, like it's a shared experience that you can kind of all come behind, but there's no, um, like you don't have to actually put any sort of work into into it in the same way. You can just enjoy it and be swept up in it. Yes. I, but it's funny because you kind of are, I think every time you feel any pain about it is you putting work into the big, you know, the big good feeling that's coming down the track. Ah. Because okay. I, I don't think if you just come in, I'd like, I, 
Because I go for the Saints aren't a good team, right? Traditionally, <laughs> have been a very low performing team. Yeah. In my lifetime, they've had some really good periods. Yeah. And they've got very close a few times, but I think all all the pain and sadness that without that there will the big celebration that I, I hope is coming in my life when we win a premiership that would mean a lot less. Yeah, without the hardship. I've told friends and family. Don't expect to see me for a week after we win a premiership. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine, but I'm just going to follow the night. <laughs> and I don't know where it'll end up, but I, it could be overseas. Oh, wow. I don't know what will happen. <laughs> I'm just going to say yes to everything, <laughs> and I'll see you later. Hopefully alive. Hopefully alive, yeah. Yeah, hopefully you're not going to be too old. But if not, what a way to go out. Oh, what a way. Yeah, full of joy. I th- yeah. I think, yeah, I I definitely do enjoy team things. I love things where, because um, that's one thing about just stand-up is, you know, when something goes great, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a selfish sort of pursuit. You're like, you feel great, but there's something really nice about feeling great and, and people equally being able to feel good or even better about it than you. Yeah. That's really nice. That's why I love the podcast. I think me, David, just to say it a bit that it's one, it's all of our favorite thing to do. Mm. And I think that pro- I mean, I've said I've named so many things that are my favorite thing to do. Yeah, you just love show. everything. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I got a lot of equal favorites. But yeah, that is that is something really nice about that. You just, it's just a fun thing to uh, yeah. go out and enjoy, it. especially with the podcast, like the live episodes that we talked about. Like each one, one of us sort of. Um, would be in the zone on that particular day, and I like I love it seeing Dave and Jess is smashing it. Yeah, it's still sort of a part of it, but it's it's just a nice thing, like a shared I, energy. Yeah, and I guess that's yeah, maybe that's what the footy thing is. Is this podcast normally a babbling thing? Yeah, great. It's a good babbling, rambling one. Go listen to the Luke and Celia Picola one. There's that's so cool. You got them on here, but um. It was pretty, I, but it was quite rambly too. But oh, I, I don't think it was that rambly. I think they they keep each other in in check, in check somewhat. <laughs> Whereas I don't have anyone doing that to me, and I feel like at least I will never listen to this because <laughs> I feel like this would be fucking painful. This would be my worst nightmare listening back to me talking like this. <laughs> no, why? Why just I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist after we stop. Okay, that's Mate, I'll, look, I'll re- I'll retweet it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's what that's it. Are you that you're done? <laughs> you, you pretend you've just bl- blanked it out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll cope with that. It's all right. Well, um, I just before we go, I really, I love the fact that clearly what you love is like sharing stuff with everybody, like that energy, whatever. If it's a really great footy win, or if it's a podcast, or if it's stand up, it's that like transaction between the energy of like that positive energy from the crowd or from people who are supporting it or the team and Yeah, that's yeah. good that's pretty I reckon yeah. that's pretty common though, right? I think that's isn't that how people like to operate? I think so. I think that's why, yeah, why I most people so. prefer to go to some celebrate someone's birthday rather than having their own birthday party. I think people like being yeah. a part of a, a bigger thing. That yeah, I guess that's true. That's why religion's popular. Or it used to be. People go to church to be part of something bigger. Yeah. People talk about footy like it's 
religion. Yeah, it so fascinates me. Yeah, because I am not into – I used to be. I used to love to follow, and I followed along, but I'm not – it just amazes me when I go to a footy match how into it everybody well, is. I think with Geelong, I think I can understand. You've had a lot of success. It's meaningless. <laughs> You've won three premierships in the last 10 years. It's like, what? I mean, yeah, what does but it the matter? Pain, the pain before that. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot, a lot of pain. Lot of pain. That so first win must pain. have been so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had not invested the amount of pain that necessary. <laughs> Because as a kid, I invested the pain and then I just like moved away from footy. I think that's pretty common. My siblings have all done that. They couldn't really give a shit about it anymore. Yeah. Not that they super did at the time. Yeah. It's also something that, oh, fuck. I was just about to start on another (laughs) track. But it is, it's just, yeah, it's just a, I think I'll go through waves of being logical about like, Matt, what are you doing? (laughs) And I... I haven't even I haven't been to a game this year. Like I decided to prioritize oh. other things, like things that I'm connected to directly. Yeah, I'll go if I'm free. I'm going this week, but um, you know, I like I mean, comedy festival basically meant I haven't been able to go to any of them so far. Yeah, but I, I in the past I would have rocked up to one of our live podcasts at the last second because I'm like I've got to go to the footy before. Oh. But now I'm like I I don't have to go to the footy before. Oh. I don't have to. I still am a, am a member, but mm. um, why has that I, changed? I think. Well, I think it's just because I realised that the world, this group of twenty-something uh, strangers, is less important to things that I'm actually doing myself. I think yeah. it's important. Imp- I remember getting late, uh, arriving late to my good friend's twenty-first birthday parties because I was coming from football. Oh wow! So I'd be getting there in a Saints jumper. What a, like it's. It's kind of it's bizarre behavior looking back on it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's like I think you can miss this game of football that I can't remember now for your friends, you know, what what at the time seemed like a big deal. Obviously, birthday parties aren't necessarily, but, you know, you're there to support your friends. Yeah, show up for them and be there. Birthday parties are great. I love birthday oh, parties. I, I don't. I wish people didn't too. drop off on them as you get older. I like it when it's just every year. Let's just have a party. Everyone's. Every year, just have a birthday oh, party. I am so into that. James, my husband, hates birthday parties. He right. hates going to parties. He hates being there. Right. I love them. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, they're the best. What's not to love? Great food, cake, booze, all the people that you like. Yeah. The best. Music. That's yeah. why. That's why I, I do like having my own ones because you can choose all of those things. Yeah. It's like once a year you get to have your perfect party. Ah. Oh. Exactly. That that was why I loved my wedding because that was like the epic party of all parties and I got to choose everything <laughs> and then even wear like my favourite dress. Yeah. It was like I was into it. Makes sense. It was good. It was good. I have to force James into parties like I made him have surprise parties that he hates. Is that why he's so like hard to convince to do live shows and stuff? Certainly, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Hates it. Hate- he doesn't – he loves people but – on one-on-one situations. He said to me, could you do a live show where I don't have to do anything other than turn up and drink beer and people talk to me <laughs> on one-on-ones? I'm like, I don't know if you can have like 200 people all sitting down to have a beer with you. I don't th- know if that will It is work. kind of that though. That's kind of what you're doing. You're just talk- you may as well just be talking to one person. Yeah. That's- the crowd as, a- as one. Yeah, all connected. Yeah. I don't know. He- that-, that guy is a whole conundrum. Of is Mesa the same? Mm, yeah. yeah, right. That makes it hard. 
Yeah, they're just not that. Um, they don't get the buzz that you do. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I, I both can and can't understand that. It feels like, what? How do you mean you can't get a buzz from that? Yeah. But then also, if you can't, if you're not, then why would you do it? Well, yeah. If it's exactly. all anxiety and no buzz, then I, you know, I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, because no they had exactly that feeling you said you had that week of anxiety. Like Mesa was just anxious from. And so was James right up until they did the live show. So for like months right. until they did it. And then they were like, Phew! and then I started going, let's do a tour of the UK. <laughs> and then they all just like had like a full on panic. So I just, I think the best way for me going forward is to tell them a week before. Yes. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Fun. So they don't have to wear the, the anxiety. anxiety pants. Yeah. Okay. Well, our ramble probably should come to an end. It should. It should. So where can we find you? What are you doing at the moment? Are you doing more stand-up gigs? I think you are. Uh, yeah. Well, depending on when this is going out, on the 12th of May, I'm in Sydney mm-hmm. at the Giant Dwarf. And um, that's the last, at the moment, that's the last of that show. And then I'm going to just try and, I'm just doing spots around Melbourne, trying Ooh. to work on, come see me battle. <laughs> really struggle with new ideas. Come see the process yeah, in you. action. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and let me whisper yeah. any ideas you have, uh, just concepts uh, <laughs> for jokes. Just whisper them to me at the gigs and I'll um, cool. appreciate that. While you're on stage. Yes. While I'm on stage, yes. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. And you, we can also obviously find you at Do Go On Pod. At Do Go On Pod, across yeah. all the different things. Across all the Twitters so, and Facebooks so much and fun. all the things. If you like, yeah, the live ones were all great. Um, especially, I think the last one, which was the Munster Rebellion. <laughs> so much fun. I don't know if I fully captured it in the recording, but fuck, it was electric in the room. Felt so good. All that energy stuff. Yeah. It's a good one. Well, thanks, Matt Stewart. Thanks, Gertonti. Okay, goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to a podcast with me, your host, Claire Tonti, and with the hilarious dry ginger male himself, Matt Stewart. To find out more about our podcast, you can visit planetbroadcasting.com. You can email the show at justmakethethingpod at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Claire Tonti, where I like to tell stories, or on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies. Um, You can find Do Go On on our network or on Twitter at Do Go On Pod. And for all other things, uh, Google. Google is excellent. (laughs) Uh, Once again, have a wonderful week. Get out there. Get striving to your potential because that's where the joy comes. Okay, bye.